0: that good singing. All right. Well, if you have your Bible, um, tonight I plan to finish the book of Philemon, Lord willing. And uh, But this morning, a little bit different, Isaiah 47, if you have your Bible. Isaiah 47. You know, sometimes when you try to find the mind of God on what to preach, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier when you're saying, okay, next chapter, next verse. So when you're preaching through a book of the Bible, it makes it easy to say, well, then this is the next sermon. Um, and then there are other times that are seasonal. There are things that maybe come about or maybe you feel like need to be emphasized and, and uh, doctrines that need to be spoken to or spoken about. And uh, that, that makes it sometimes easy. Sometimes there's something that comes up in the public arena, like the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and, um, and then you think, well, maybe I need to address abortion so our people will know what the Bible says about that. And then sometimes you really just, you pray and you beg God and you really don't know what to preach, and then there are other times that maybe you see something maybe in a couple of different families and God brings something in front of you. And I think that is what I'm doing this morning. I'm going to bring you something that God has put in front of me. And I'm not even saying what I'm preaching is necessarily applicable to everyone here. In fact, I think there will be a number of you that this message won't apply directly to. But it may down the road. And um, so in Isaiah 47, God is speaking to Israel, his people. In fact, he speaks about that in verse 6, I was wroth with my people. So he's, not, he's not talking to a bunch of heathen, pagan people. He's not talking to people that live in the world and have no idea who he is. In fact, the end of verse 5, it speaks about the lady of kingdoms. That's Israel. Verse number 7, and thou, shalt, and thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever. Uh, Israel knew that God chose them and made them a great nation. This is far beyond being taken out of Egypt. They, they knew they were a, a blessed people, a chosen people. This is long after the temple has been built in Jerusalem. This is long after David is set on the throne and Saul is set on the throne. And God has shown his favor over and over and over again to the Jewish people. They understood that God had his hand on them and his eye on them. And I think that's true of believers today. I'm I'm, going to tell you today, I, I know that God can be wroth with us. I know he can get angry with us. But it is good to know that you're in the family of God. I'm a child of God. I am am born into the family of God by faith, not by religion, or by becoming a Baptist. Becoming a Baptist will not put you into the family of God. Being born again puts you in that family. And then because of that, then we know we're going to heaven when we die. There are a lot of denominations that probably have some truth, and they don't have that doctrine downright. How many of you are glad that you're not wondering whether or not you got a ticket or not when you leave this world, that when you leave this world, you know you're going to heaven. Aren't you glad of that? So there's a confidence in that that sometimes breeds a contempt or a problem. And if you look at what it says in verse 7, Thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever. So thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, Neither didst remember the latter end of it. There's some things you forgot about, Israel. Verse number eight, therefore hear now this, thou that art given to pleasures that dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thy heart, I am and none else beside me, I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, None seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. And thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. Now, I want you to underline, if you would, in the end of verse number eight. The phrase, the loss of children. And then in verse number nine, again, the same phrase, the loss of children. To lose a child. To bury a child by a parent is something I do not know anything about. But I have stood behind or beside those that have had to go through that very difficult process. I've heard them say things like this. You know, it's not right that a parent buries a child. A child should be the one burying the parent, not the other way around. And it is especially difficult not to just bury a child, but to bury a young child, to bury a teenager, somebody that is young, that has so much life in front of them. And it's even more difficult to bury a very small child, an infant, a baby, because all that was in front of them And yet nothing had tainted their life. They're innocent. They're without sin. There's nothing that's been charged with their account. And mom and dad standing beside that, it's very difficult to lose a child that way. To get a phone call in the middle of the night, to get a phone call early in the morning. Say, you need to come to the hospital. That's a very difficult thing. And I would say this, I would say most of us in here don't know anything about that. But we do know about our children being lost to other things. There would probably be many hands that would go up and say, you know, I've never buried a child, but alcoholism sure took my child away from me. Drug abuse took my child away from me. My child got in with the wrong crowd and began to make the wrong decisions, and then they got incarcerated. they have been put in prison, and, and sin and crime took my child away from me. There are probably plenty of us in here that could say, you know, there's no doubt that divorce took my child away from me. There's a long list that you could go through, whether it's atheism or agnosticism or somebody getting in with the wrong people. And you look at somebody that you trained and that you loved and that you raised, and that a mother that pampered her child and that rocked that child to sleep. And now that child is so far in the other direction, so far out in a place that you never dreamed they would be there. And I would say for most of you young parents, you have the idea that your children would never go there. Some of you that just have had a child. That little innocent baby, you could never imagine that child ever being lost to sin, lost to Satan, lost to the world. You could never imagine that child living a lifestyle contrary to what you hold to be true now. And yet the Bible says when they said, neither shall I know the loss of children, look at it again in verse 8. They said, it's not going to happen to us. We're, We're favored. We know God. We're not going to lose our children. The very next verse says, but these two things shall come to thee in a moment. In one day. One moment. Something that you said would never happen in one moment. And really my heart this morning is not to talk to those that have lost children and to remind you of that. That is not my desire this morning. I knew by standing here and preaching this, I knew that by preaching this, that that would remind remind you of that. That you would know and you would be reminded about a child that has gone a direction that you never dreamed they would. That's not the purpose of the message this morning. Though I know there's no way to escape from that. I would say part of this message this morning is a warning to you younger parents. When your children are three, four, and five, you would think they would ne- you would never have to worry about drugs, alcohol, gender transition. You would never have to worry about those things. I'm telling you, maybe you don't have to worry about them now, but you better make some decisions now that keep that from happening in the future. Just because you raise your child in an independent Baptist church with a Bible in their hand is not any kind of guarantee that Satan not only will not want to tear them down, but may put them at the top of the list and provide them with snare after snare after snare. And all I'm saying is, would you look at the list that it gives before the loss of children? Look at verse 8. Thou that art given to pleasure. If you're a young parent, can I tell you this? You need to be given to following pleasing the Lord instead of pleasing yourself. Are you listening this morning? If you live your life to please yourself, to get everything that everybody else has, nothing wrong with having a home, nothing wrong with having vacation homes, nothing wrong with having nice things, but if you give yourself to the pursuit of the pleasures of this world, instead of pleasing God, are you listening to me, you very well may one day lose your children because of it. They were given to pleasure. You see what else it says? The Bible says, thou that dwellest carelessly. We live in a very oh, modern world oh my goodness and I'm not against it I, I appreciate modern world activities I, in fact I made a visit yesterday to one of our families and in their yard they had an outhouse and I asked him does that work and they said no that's just for decoration and while they said that I thought in my mind yeah but I bet you probably use one and I'm glad that I did not grow up having to go out back during the winter amen I, I appreciate technology I'm glad that I don't have to carry a Rand McAnally map around with me to figure out where I'm going. All I do is have to tell that little woman in my phone, and she tells me where I'm supposed to go. I appreciate that. I don't even have to go to the bank. You know, I still have a bank in Alabama. I bank in Alabama. I live in South Carolina. I don't ever have to pull up to the window. I don't do any of that stuff. I just do it right there on my phone. You say, yeah, one day you're going to lose all your money. Now nah, You can't lose what you don't have. But you know what careless is? Are you listening to me this morning? You have children, and the day in which we live, it is accepted that everyone has to have some kind of device. They have to have a phone, they have to have an iPad, they have to have a laptop. And if you never check that and you never put any kind of guards and parameters on that, if you you never stand between some pervert out there that would put something through a chat room to one of your children, you know what you're doing? You're living carelessly and you might lose your children down the road. You need to be careful of that. Listen, we have a Christian school and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm glad we have a Christian school. If you put your children in a public school, I'm not saying that you can't do that and you can't do it successfully, but you better be careful about what's being put into their head. You you better know what what is being taught in their classes and who has their mind and what they're writing in their book. And all I'm just saying, these people are given to pleasure and they're living carelessly. And then look look at the third thing that's mentioned. This is apart from all the things at the end. The third thing, that sayest in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. Life centers around me. I know I am, listen, I am not up here preaching either as a perfect parent. I have two out of the house. I have two that are in the house. And, you know, the judgment on how effectively we raised our children is still out because it's not finished yet. And I know, I know that if I could go back, And spend less time focused on what I needed to do and things that were important to me and responsibilities that I had. And spend more time focusing on making certain that my children chose the right things and helped them with the right principles. I I believe I would do that. I don't think I'm by myself. In fact, I think probably in this auditorium, most of you parents, if you could go back and do some things differently, I think we probably would. But if you live in this generation and all you see is yourself, if all you look at is you and you never look at what's in that room down the hallway... If you never spend any time looking at what's going on in their life and looking at the people that they're hanging out with and looking at the attitude that they have, if you're oblivious to that because you're so caught up in your world, hey, you know what may happen? You may not have a bottle in your hand, but your your lack of being present may allow the devil to drag your children off in the future. So if you're a young parent today, pay attention to your children. Spend time with your children. Learn to live a life pleasing to God and not the standard quo of what's going on around you. Amen. 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 We'll never lose them. My son will never say that. My daughter will never drink that. My daughter would never do that. That's what they said. You know what they found out? They couldn't make good on what they said would never happen. Now, Lest you think then that well, you know I, I was imperfect, so my, that's why my parents or my children went the way they went. I want you to take and turn to two places. Get Second Samuel fourteen. So if the devil begins trying to take and take your children from you, from whatever it is, whether it's vice or whether it's friends or whether it's education or whether it's the generation they live in or whether it's whatever it may be, I want to give you just about four things quickly, and we'll be finished. Second Samuel chapter 14 Genesis chapter 2 I told you parents a minute ago that by saying what I'm saying this morning I know that there has to be thoughts brought up if you have children that are out in the world and I know what I know what my mother expressed to me um, when I was away from God and I was out in the world and I can remember vividly vividly my mother weeping with tears saying Joel what did we do wrong Why are you doing this? What did we do wrong? And I told my mother, Mom, you didn't do anything wrong. You guys took me to church, and you had the right Bible in front of me, and you prayed for me, and there was no duality in our home. This is a choice that I'm making. Can I remind you this morning that God's son, Adam, that he created out of the dirt of the ground, do you know the devil took him? He took him in a perfect environment. How many of you would say, my home is not a perfect environment? He took him from a perfect father. How many of you say, I'm definitely not a perfect parent? Come on, now, how many of you are not a perfect parent? Didn't see many hands go up on that. God being a perfect parent, God in a perfect environment has a son, and that son is taken astray by the devil. And the devil gets in, and through deceit, through lying, deception, He takes him. So what does God do about it? Let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't do what David did to Absalom. If you look there in 2 Samuel chapter 14, Absalom, if you remember Absalom, Absalom's brother, Amnon, raped his sister. Absalom waited and finally got the opportunity, and he killed his brother for doing that. And when he did, he ran away from David. He ran away from the kingdom, and he was gone. And finally, he was brought back. But when he got back, will not you look what the Bible says in verse 28 of 2 Samuel 14. Look at it now. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. So he came home, but David wouldn't go see him. Mace Jackson preached a great message out of this passage when God sets your barley fields on fire. So so what what Absalom does, he sits, he says, look, you go set Joab's barley fields on fire. I'm going to get an audience with my daddy. Look what he says in verse 32. Absalom answered Joab saying, Behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I might send thee to the king to say, Wherefore am I come from Geshur? In other words, why did you bring me home? It had been good for me to have been... There still, it had been best for me just to stay away. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. I'm tired of not having my dad to face me. Joab, I want you to go do something about it. So what, what David does with Absalom, Absalom has done something that he does not want to face. He slew his brother, but David knew why. David also didn't want to face the fact that his son raped a daughter. And he didn't, want to, he didn't deal with that. So what he did, he put one off and then he put the other off. and he, Are you watching me? He just sort of turned his face away from the problem. And I'm going to tell you, if the devil tries to take off your children, you know what you need to do? You need to face your children. Genesis chapter 3. God could have done something you and I couldn't do. He could have said, you know what, Adam, you sin. I told you the day that you ate thereof, you'd surely die. I'm going to make a new one. And he's going to be better than you. And I'm done with you. But he didn't do that. Look what he did. Verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his Wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? You know what God's doing? He's facing his child. Fellowship has been broken. Now listen, I I know there are some of you, you've had children do some things that you might have to break fellowship with. And what I mean by that is you cannot live with them in what they're doing. Maybe it's drug abuse. There are certain things I don't think you need to fund. I don't think you need to give your child money if you're going to go out and spend money on buying more drugs and more alcohol. Or it, may cause a, it may cause a rift, and that may have to happen, but but it should never be that when that rift is called that you go ahead and you just turn your back. Do you remember one of the things that Jesus said was so hard? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He turned his back on him. He couldn't look at the sin And when we as parents that are living right and we're trying to follow the Bible and our child does something that is so, so hard for us to hear or maybe they get in with the wrong crowd and they start going the wrong direction. I'm not saying you should compromise, but listen, I'm telling you, you need to face them. You need to keep the communication open. You may not be able, you may not be able to keep the fellowship intact, but you should never, you should never, you should never turn off the communication. Because when you turn off the communication, do you know what's going to happen? 2 Samuel 15, Absalom said, all right, you won't talk to me. I'm going to sit at the gate, and I'm going to talk to your people. And I'm going to turn their heart from you, and I'm going to become king, and I'm going to take what you have. And he bred a hatred. Listen, Absalom wanted to kill his daddy. because his daddy turned away from him. I know my my dad can't hear this this morning. And my my dad confronted me one time in my sin in the house and he said, don't you come back in here like that again. I said, okay, dad. But my dad never turned his face from me. My mother and dad, they would send me, listen, I would get, I would get uh, Baskin Robbins, they make this little ice cream birthday cake. Man, I got ice cream birthday cakes when I was living for the Lord or living in the devil's house. It didn't make any difference. And I'd get birthday cards and there'd be money in it. And it'd come time for Christmas and I never had dad say, you just go ahead and stay out there. He always turned his face to me. And some of you, what you need to do is you need to turn your face to your children. That doesn't mean that you accept what they've done. There was a lamb that had to be slain because of Adam's sin, but there was communication. David said, no, I, I tell you what, it's too hard for me to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm against it. I'm not for it. And he turned his back on his son. So the first thing you ought to do, if the devil's trying to take your children, face your children. Secondly, go with them if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 2, Matthew chapter 17. I know I'm preaching a heavy message this morning. <laughs> and that is not my desire. But every time you come to church, you don't need you don't need to necessarily be shouting. Sometimes you need to look in the mirror and you need to see, hey, listen, what do I need to adjust? Come on, how many of you how many of you think our children are worse sometimes sitting through a sober message like this? Amen. Because the devil hates your child if they're born again. He'd love to see their life destroyed. Matthew 17, 1 Samuel chapter 2. (coughs) The Bible is very clear that when when there are problems that arise, sometimes it can only be repaired by prayer and fasting. Look what the Bible says. There's There's a man, verse 15, who has a son. The Bible says he's a lunatic. He's sore vexed. In other words, the devil is oppressing this child. And he throws him into the fire and burns him. He throws him into the water. He comes to the disciples and the disciples can't fix him. And so Jesus, Jesus rebukes the devil. Verse 18, he goes out. And the disciples don't know, why couldn't we do the same thing? What, what's the difference? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in verse 21, "Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So what I would say is this that you need to fast and pray if the devil begins moving your child's heart to fast and pray, to give up food for a little while, to say, I'm going to give up. And listen, fasting, you can give up a whole day's fast. You could give up partially uh, partial days fast. You could fast for three days, but you could say, I'm not going to eat anymore until I can see God turn this thing around at least for three days. I'm going to fast. I'm going to spend some time giving up a pleasure to say, God, my heart is so bit that you just got to do something. Fasting and prayer. You know, you know I've come to this conclusion hey, <clears throat> how many of you parents have realized you cannot build the fence high enough? You cannot put enough screen protectors and all the things out there, out there. Uh, you cannot make them uh, difficult enough that a child and the devil can't some find some way over top of that and around that. And then they get to be a certain age, and then you can't even do anything about it. But you can pray. Oh, I'm I'm telling you, we're not even going to go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah prayed. Samuel is in the house with Eli. His boys are sons of the devil. They are taking and being immoral with women they find at the church. Hey, by the way, can I say something right there? If you're a young man and you have devious intentions about being immoral with somebody you meet at church, I hope God puts a knot on your head the size of a golf ball. The purpose of coming to church is not to scoop out who you can spend time with. Okay, let's get away from that real quick. These, these boys are wicked. They're looking at the women, and then they're, stake, they're, they're taken from God's offering. I mean, how many, listen, if you saw somebody walk over to the offering plate and take money out of that, how many would not appreciate that too much? What if you had the plate? We used to pass the plate. What if the plate came by you, and as it came by you, somebody reached over and pulled out a $100 bill? Would you say something about that? Hey, hey, what are you doing? It's mine. These boys, but Samuel lives with them and his mother's praying and she makes him a coat every year. I know you've heard me preach it. I think she's making him a new coat every year. I think every time she pulls a string, she's praying for her boy. God, he's down there with Eli's boys and we know their their sons, everybody knows they're wicked, but Lord, would you please protect his heart? You know, when you can't go with your child to protect them from something, you can pray and ask God to be the one to step over and do what you don't have the ability to get to. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for a praying mother. And fasting, my brother, my brother told me this after I got right with God. He said, Joel, I told the Lord on Wednesdays I would never eat another bite of food, not another bite of food on every Wednesday of the world until you got right with God. And do you know how many Wednesdays he had to give up? The next Wednesday before the next Wednesday rolled around, I'd gotten right with God. Now, there's part of me wish that would have gone on about four or five. (laughs) You say, does that really work? That's why that's in the Bible. God is facing Adam. Here, Jesus is telling those men, what you can't do, you're going to have to fast and pray and ask God to get involved, I, I'm telling you, your child may, may run and be dragged off by the devil a long way, but they cannot get so far that the long arm of God can't reach them. God, hey, God's got a longer arm than we have. Sin, Amen. So what I do? Beg God, weep about it. Pray about it. Fast over it. Give up some things and say, God, please turn this thing around. That's the example that we're given of this dad that has a son that the devil is destroying. I'm going to give up a meal because I want to see my son made whole. Look, if you would, also at Matthew chapter 15, Matthew 15, thirdly. If you're losing your children, you need to face them. If you're losing your children, you need to fast and pray. Matthew 15. Matthew 15, we have another person whose child is being destroyed by the devil, a woman. The Bible says in verse number 22 that her daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. That means that the devil is just destroying her life. And she comes to Jesus. And the disciples try to put her off in verse 23 And then Jesus answers her and says, Listen, I came to to minister to the house of Israel, not you. You're a Gentile. Verse 25, she worships him. In verse 25, she says, Lord, help me. He answered and said, It's not meet for me to take the children's bread and cast the dogs. I'm not here to help you. I'm here to help my people. Look at verse 27. And she said, Truth, Lord, yea, the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Man, she said I don't have to eat anything off your table. If you'll just let me have a little crumb, that'll be enough to take care of all the problems that we've got going on in our home. You You know what Jesus said about that? That's a lot of faith. Mom, Dad, can I say something to you? When things get turned the wrong direction and that child goes out there, listen, what you don't need to do is lose your faith. Now, you, you, might, you might lose your health and you might lose your finances, but don't lose your faith. Listen, the faith that you put in God when they were this small is the same kind of faith you need to put in God when they're older and the devil's trying to destroy their life. Because that is the only hope you have. Faith in him. Can I show you a great picture of that? There is a parent, perhaps a set of parents, that raised their child to know the Bible They raised their child to know who God was. They raised their child to know the difference between heaven and hell. And that child went out and got neck deep in crime and ended up getting caught and getting sentenced and now is going to die. And that child, even up to that very point of death, is still defiant. Luke chapter 15, would you look, excuse me, chapter 16, would you look there? I'm sorry, Luke 23. Luke 23. You say, where did that happen? Well, there's two thieves hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And both of them are saying the same thing. And they're defiant. If if you're really who you say you are, get us down off this cross. Both of them saying the same thing. But one of them, one of them, after hanging there for a while, verse 39, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, dost thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? Somebody taught that boy about the fear of God. Somebody taught that boy about condemnation. Look at the next verse. And we indeed justly. Somebody taught him about what justice was. We received the due rewards of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus... Lord. He knew who the Lord was. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew there was more to this life than what this life has to offer. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. I'm telling you, mom and dad, mom and dad, if they were there at Calvary that day when Jesus was crucified, they are watching their son and there's Jesus right next to him. And they are thinking, how did we fail so terribly? How did we go wrong? We taught him the Old Testament scripture. We taught him to fear God. We taught him that sin would bring condemnation. We taught him that there was a a right way to live and a just way to live. And we taught him that there was a God in heaven that had something that was beyond this life. How could we have failed? And I I can see mom and dad weeping in tears and and just saying we, we, we missed it so badly. But what they couldn't hear is on that cross, that thief looking at Jesus and saying, when thou art coming to thy kingdom, would you remember me? And he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It ain't over until it's over. The Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. He might depart from the Lord, but he won't depart from the way. There was something down in that boy he couldn't get rid of. Oh, I can remember being in places I wasn't supposed to be. At hours of the night, I wasn't supposed to be there, doing things that I should never have been doing. And out of nowhere... Out of nowhere, a verse like Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Whew. It came from a mom and dad that believed this book was what they needed to raise their boy by, and they kept me in church, and they kept putting the Bible in my heart, and I got away from God, but I never got away from what they put down inside of me. You got to keep your faith. In the God that made your child, that gave you your child. You have a preacher that you don't understand his life is just so destroyed now. Yeah? But you need to keep your faith in God. Last thing, and I'm finished. Luke chapter 15. About got ahead of myself there. What do I do? In the middle of this loss of children, this thing that I'm so terrified of. Well, if you're a young parent and you're listening to me and say none of those things will ever happen, you better make sure you make right choices now. But if you're a parent, and maybe they've already gone off, you need to face them, you need to keep faith, you need to put some fasting and prayer on it. Luke fifteen, Luke 15. I I know this is the story of many of us in here, but it's a parable. It's not necessarily an account, but it sure is true to life. So many times, the Bible says that that father that had two sons, that younger came to him and said, "You give me everything that's coming to me. I want my inheritance now." And he goes out and he wastes it with riotous living. The Bible says. He said he journeyed into a far country. Verse 13, I want you to look at that. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. He got far away from daddy. I went to Baylor University. Um, Baylor University is in Waco, Texas. And from Decatur, Alabama, it's 750 miles. And somebody said, why did you choose to go to Baylor? Because it was 750 miles from Decatur. It was a long way from where mom and dad were. It was a long way from where all those people that I was raised with were. Well, this boy, he went out there into a far way out there. You know the story, he's in the hog pen, he's eating things or looking at eating things he can't believe he wants to eat, there's no more money in his pocket, uh, you know, he doesn't have any friends around him, and hey, you, are, you, are you young people listening this morning? Do you listen to what I just said? That young man, after he went out with a, a whole lot of money in his pocket, and he went out and he lived he lived a riotous life, he parted it up, had all kind of friends, had all kind of things, and you know where he ended up? He ended up in a hog pen by himself, yes, getting the hog pen hungry. He ended up in a place that, that smelled bad and had, there wasn't any nice furniture there. There wasn't anything of value there except these hogs that were there. And are, are you listening? That is exactly what the devil will do to you. He will take every good thing out of your life and leave you with nothing. You know, God doesn't do that. Well, I'm glad. Hey, if you'll let God direct your life, he will never leave you in a place like that. God will give you the desires of your heart. He is a good God. Well, that boy's down there with nothing. You said it never happened to me. It's happened to countless numbers of people that probably were more spiritual and smarter than you are because your smarts and your spirituality Not going to be enough if you step down that road. Well, he's down there in the wrong place. You know, the Bible says he comes back and he goes to his father. And you know the story. If you look, the Bible says his father, when he saw him a great way off, and I, I love the passage, what, what do we do when the devil tries to take away our children? Well, the Bible says, verse 20, when he arose, he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, I'm not going to preach about all that good stuff there, but I am going to say this. Here's, listen, if, if, if the devil is destroying your children, you know what you need to do? You need to stay faithful. Daddy didn't sell the farm. Daddy didn't decide, well, my son is going out there in left field. I'll go with him. There are people today that think if I'll just move to the left as the devil's taking my children, then maybe somehow I can get it turned around. No, you're just going to end up both in the wrong place. As you move to the left and as you adopt looser standards, and as you adopt different kinds of music and different kinds of dress and different habits. And maybe you accept, maybe, well, if I can't keep him from drinking, maybe I can sit down and we can at least socially drink together and I can control it. That is the wrong way to move. You you know what you need to do? You need to face your children, but you need to stay faithful to God. That way they'll know where they can come back to when they do turn the right direction. I didn't have any doubt about where I needed to go when I got right. 23 years of age, when I finally got healed up, I went right back to Decatur, Alabama, showed up at mom and dad's house, and you know what? It was just like it always was. They didn't have any beer in the refrigerator. They didn't have a bunch of crazy music on. They hadn't changed their lifestyle. They were just like they were when I left them, and I'm telling you this morning, I'm so glad that I had parents that stayed faithful when I was so far out there in the world. I know we don't want to lose our children. The question is, what are we going to do to make certain that that doesn't take place? Some of you young mothers and dads, what are you going to do to make sure you're pleasing God and not chasing the pleasures of this world? What adjustments do you need to make in the way you look inwardly or at those little children? And then those of us that have children that are out there, maybe, maybe the devil hadn't drug them off yet. But may, just maybe, maybe, now are you listening to me? Just maybe, maybe you've already seen a foot move in that direction. Maybe when they come to church, maybe when they come to church, they do like so many others and they just, there's just no spiritual thirst. There's just There's just a deadness. I'm here. You know what I would say today? I'd say it'd be good for us to get on an altar and say, Lord, please help me to keep my face toward my children. Lord, help me to keep my faith in you. Help me to stay faithful because I don't I don't want to lose my children. I know I'm Baptist. I know I'm saved. I know I got the Bible. I don't want to lose my children. That's the message. Anybody want to come to an altar, you're welcome to come. I'm not going to have, not going to have instrument play. I just want God to talk to people. You do know that by being preaching this, that there are people in our church that are losing their children, right? You do understand that? It's not just an arbitrary message. It's not just, well, what can I preach on this Sunday? There are people that are, that are losing their children. And they're hurting. And it's a fight. And they just need some help today. They need some help today. We're going to pray for a little bit, and then when we're finished, Brother Ken, whenever you feel led, you just play a little bit on that organ. We're going to pray a little while. I know we have a lot of our children next door, but not all of them are next door. How many of you have a grandchild in the auditorium right now? Anybody got a grandchild in the auditorium? Let me see your hand. Who's got grandchildren in the auditorium? All right. How many of you have children in the auditorium? Here's the way I want to end this thing. If we could just kind of stand our feet and just please just just, let's go this. Let's go find them, hug them. Don't make them come to you. So, Daniel, you stay right there. I'm looking for Hannah, wherever you are, Hannah, where are you at? You stay right there. Go find them and just go tell them you love them. That'd be a good way to end it, don't you think? Instead of going out and thinking about losing. We don't want to lose them, we want to keep them, right? All right, so stand to your feet. And then if you want, we got some young men here from the home that aren't in the, they're too old now to be over in, I guess, the super church, children's church. I think they probably, I'm, I'm looking right now, Joseph needs somebody to come tell him he loves him. Yes, you do too. I'm come do it right now, God bless you dismissed.